You are listening to the Passion City Church Podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Louis Giglio. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about authority, praying and living with authority. This is how God is inviting you and me to live. I know it's said a lot, but I think so many times in this cultural climate, we take on the victim mentality and we're living sort of upside down in our mentality, but we are sons and daughters of the King of Kings. We've come into the blessing of blessings and we have the ability to move through life with authority. But how do you get authority? How do you live in authority? How do you pray in authority? Well, you live in authority, pray in authority by not being over people, but being under authority. That's how you get authority. You can walk in certain situations and when you say things, people do them, not because you're over them, but because you're under them. And being under them gives you authority as you walk in life. And so the simplest thing about today is that God is going to invite us to be under him so that then we can move in life with authority. That's not ruling over people or ruling over anything, honestly. It's recognizing that he rules over people and he rules over everything and he's over my life and my life is under his life. Therefore, I can move through life with authority and I can pray with authority. I'm not just praying prayers, hoping they make it past the ceiling. I'm praying prayers that are bold, that I know have the authority of God in them and on them. And it all begins with aligning with God. Aligning with God. Prayer is a process where I get on God's page, not the process where I try to get God on my page. Prayer is me being in awe of God, worshiping God, falling in love with God, and submitting my life to the will and the ways of God. It's a process where as I see him and I move by him and I stand in awe of him, I fall in love with him, and I gladly join my life with what he's doing on planet Earth. We talked about this two messages ago. I'm not assuming everybody has heard all the messages yet. And so just reaching back to make sure we see it one more time. The word for prayer that Jesus used is two words joined together. And the beginning of the word means towards or to exchange. The main word means to wish or to pray. So when you put these words together, the word for prayer means properly to exchange wishes. What an amazing thought. It doesn't mean to wish that we get something from God. It means to exchange wishes with God. So it literally means to interact with the Lord by switching human wishes or ideas for his wishes as he imparts faith. He works in us by divine persuasion. You're like, I don't want to do that, Louis. I want to tell God what I need, and I need God to do it for me, man. I need to let God know about my situation, and I need God to come through in my situation. I don't want to do any exchanging of wishes. I just need God to get on board with the plan. And I'm telling you, those kind of prayers don't work. They're not bold. They don't move heaven, and they don't move earth. 
Those kind of prayers lead us to frustration because more times than not, can I get an amen? God doesn't do exactly what we tell him to do. Anybody? He doesn't do it when we told him to do it. We told him exactly when to do it. By 3.30 Central Time. And he didn't. We told him we need it by Tuesday. And he didn't do it on Tuesday. We told him it was $5,486. He did not do it. And so we get frustrated. We lose heart at the end of the day. We throw up our faith in our hands and say, you know what? I don't really know how this works, so I'm just going to do my best and figure that you're doing something too. And that's exactly where the enemy wants you to be. But God's inviting you back in today. He's inviting you back in to the process of being in relationship with him, whereby you can exchange your will for his will and get on board with his purposes by aligning your life with God. And when you do that, I'm telling you, your prayers are going to change and they're going to be powerful and they're going to have authority. Notice the text with me today. It's uh, 1 John chapter 4. And I'm just going to break it down a little bit line by line. But this is what John writes to us in verse 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. Does anybody need a little more confidence today in your approaching God? Anybody lost some of your confidence with God? Maybe circumstance, situation, and some of the confidence has dwindled a little bit. He says, I want you to have confidence when you come to God. That if we ask anything according to his Will. There's our alignment factor, so that's obviously going to be the key today. He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, whatever we ask according to his will, we know that we have what we have asked of him. So let's just break it down a little bit. God wants to give you confidence, and he's already given you confidence to come boldly to him through Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what the Hebrews writer said. We can come boldly to the throne of grace. How can we do that? People like you and me who've messed up our lives. We can do that because Jesus has made a way through his perfect life and perfect death that we, whoever we are, wherever we have been, can come through Jesus' grace into the very presence of Almighty God. Can we just think about that for a minute? That we have the opportunity to just come right to the throne of God and not die. That's how powerful grace is. And God says, I want you to come boldly. I don't want you to come with your head down. I don't want you to try to slip in the side door. I don't want you to try to, you know, shuffle in over here and hope nobody sees you. You're a son of God, if you're in in Christ, you're a daughter of the King. If you're in Christ, I want you to come to me knowing that Yahweh is my Abba and I can come to his throne. And when you come, I want you to have confidence that what we're going to share together, is going to shake some stuff up. It's going to be powerful when we share together. I want you to come in confidence. And then he says that if we ask, anything. 
Now, I, I, I know what he's saying there, but it should just say when we ask, because obviously we know that if we have the opportunity to come to the throne of God, we are going to live at the throne of God, and we are going to be in communion with God, and we are going to be exercising our ability to call on heaven all the time. Oh, no, that's not the way it works, is it? He said, if we ask, knowing that a lot of times we won't ask, We'll worry. Anybody worried this week? No? <laughs> Amazing. Okay, now, now we're breaking through now. You're like, oh, he can see us. Yes, I, I can see, see you. Did anybody worry this week? Did anybody fret this week? It's all the same thing, but let's just keep going. Did anybody try to control the situation this week? Anybody take the wheel? Shift the gears. Push some people out of the car. Is the person you pushed out of the car here? Did you pray about it? You're like, no, I haven't gotten that bad yet. But when it gets down to where I don't have any more options left... Like, I can't manage it, I can't control it, I can't change it, apparently my worrying isn't going to work. Then we're going to say, you know what, guys, we're running out of options here, we're going to have to pray. <laughs> and we got to that point where we're like, man, this one has escalated. This is not small time here, this is big time here. We got to pray. And God's saying, why didn't you start with prayer? That's right. My friend says, pray first. In other words, before you think about option B, C, D, E, or F, just lean on the option. I can call on heaven right now. The line I do not want to be in in heaven is the line of people who have not because they ask not. James said that we have not because we ask not, but then he added to it, and, and the reason why we don't get what we ask for is because our motives are wrong. And then you know what he goes on to say in that text in James 4? That our motives are about us getting what we want versus us getting on board with what God wants. And he said, that's why you're not getting what you're asking for. You're asking for what you want and not aligning with what God wants. I want to pray, and I don't want to be in the line of people who don't have a miracle from God because they didn't ask of God and call on heaven. But then he says, ask anything according to his will so so far it's pretty crazy we can have confidence as we come to God we can know that if we ask of God that he hears us how crazy is that that God hears us Sometimes we don't even know if he knows we're on the planet, but he's saying, oh, not only do I know you're here, you have the opportunity to come into relationship with me, and I will actually hear you. That doesn't mean that he's going to do what we need him to do when we tell him to do it. It just means that our prayer is going to reach the heart of God. And when it reaches the heart of our Father, things happen. We don't know what happens when we pray, we, we don't normally see a million percent 
of what God is doing. We might see one tiny percent over here, but God's working in a million ways and we could only possibly see one or two. But God is always at work and our prayers always reach him when they are prayed in accordance with his will. You and I can set heaven in motion today by our prayers. That's why we say around here, if we could see what happens when we pray, we would never cease to pray. One of the shortest verses in the Bible, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray continually. And we would pray continually if we knew that God hears our prayers and our prayers dispatch angels and move things in heaven. We'd pray about everything. We'd pray when we wake up. We'd pray all through the day. We'd pray into the night. We would ask God to, to watch over us in the night and maybe even let us pray somehow in the spirit in the nighttime. We would wake up again the next day calling on heaven and we would stay in constant communication with God because every time we're praying in his name and in his will, things are moving. You and I have the potential in Christ to move things. And the enemy would be happy if we just worried more and talked to our friends more and fretted more, had more consternation in our lives and didn't actually see the throne of God and call on heaven. How do we call on heaven? We call on heaven by aligning with God. Prayer is aligning with God. It's, it's me learning how to get on God's page, not me continually trying to get God on my page. It's me wanting to be available to God. A simple prayer to wake up in the morning and say, God, I love you and I worship you. I want to be available to you today. I want to be useful to you today. I want to be in step with you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Versus waking up in the morning and maybe not using the words, but saying, God, I need you to be useful to me today. I need you to be available to me today, and I need you to get in step with me today. And if you'll do that, hallelujah, I will worship you because that's what I need. And so how do we shift this? How do we change this? How do we see I need to understand God's will? That's the model prayer. Your will be done your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Notice the phrase, your will be done. In other words, what is the master plan that you want to accomplish on earth? That's what I want to lean into. I think sometimes we, we want to make a whole theology out of that phrase. And the whole theology is on earth as it is in heaven. Therefore, nobody's going to die. There's going to be no pain. There's going to be no sorrow. There's going to be no sickness. There's going to be no death. It's going to be on earth as it is in heaven. But I don't think that's what Jesus was trying to get us to wrap our hearts around in the model prayer. I think he was wanting us to see the exchange of whatever it is that you want to do on earth, that's what I want to do on earth. What are you doing on earth? That's what I want to do on earth, knowing that on a broken planet, we're not going to get out without sorrow. Anybody here gotten out of life without sorrow? Anybody gotten out of life without grief? Anybody gotten out of life without death? Anybody gotten out of life without mourning? No, and we're not going to. Does that mean we shouldn't pray for healing? Of course we should pray for healing. Does God heal? Of course he heals. 
Should we pray that God will do the miraculous? Of course we should. But at the end of the day, we're all going to die. Only in heaven is there no more death. And that's the beauty of heaven. There is no more death. There are no more tears. There is no more mourning. There is no more grief. Because the old order of things has passed away. And the new order of things has come. So Jesus isn't saying we're going to turn this broken world into the dream of where we're all headed. He says what we're believing for is that on this broken planet, God's will can be done. And I'm going to lean in with everything I've got to align myself with God's will on earth as it is in heaven. What is God's will? Well, how do we know that? We get into his word. You get into his word, you figure out what his will is. What has God said? What does God want? What has God already promised that he will do? Put that in your prayer. We've talked about this prayer several times already, but I, I just keep going back to it because it is the perfect example of everything that we have been talking about. Acts chapter 4. We looked at it last week and the week before. Might look at it again after this, but Peter and John have been arrested. We talked about that before. Uh, someone got healed. They got called into question. The, the religious leaders wanted the, the Jesus story to kind of die down a little bit, told them, you got to pipe down, stop talking about Jesus. And they said, hey, I'm sorry, but we can't stop talking about what we've seen and heard. So they got threatened by these guys, and eventually they got released. They go back to the believers. Let's just read it one more time. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported that the chief priests and the elders had said to them, what the chief priests and elders had said to them. When the people heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. That's just framing again, remember? You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. And this is what you said. You said, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord, against his anointed one. You're like, I have no idea what that meant. Why did they pull in that text? That doesn't seem like it fits anywhere to me. Well, two things you need to notice about this or that we need to notice. Number one, they're praying God's word back to God. And as they're praying God's word back to God, they're moving in authority. They don't maybe even know it because they're brand new spirit-filled believers, but they're already moving in authority and they're already showing us how to move in authority. They did not go, oh my goodness, God, did you hear that? They, they, they threatened them. And, and if they're threatening them, that means they're threatening us. So you need to help us. They went, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know this one. I know this one. I know this one. You said that the kings of the earth will take their stand and rulers will gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. We know what's going on here. This is not about Peter and John, and it is not about us. These guys are not against Peter and John, and these guys ultimately are not against us. These guys, guys are against your anointed one. You said they were going to be against your anointed one, and come to find out, you were right. When you start putting God's word in your prayers to God, your prayers are going to go to a whole new 
level. Because you are not informing God based on your viewpoint. You are agreeing with God based on what God has already said. You're not telling God what needs to happen based on your limited understanding of the situation. You're agreeing with what God has already said is going to happen. And you're aligning with him. That's why they could go on and pray this prayer. They said, here's the example, by the way, of what you said you were going to do already in the Psalms. Indeed, it, it, just like you said, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against, not us, but against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. You said they were going to come against the anointed one, and this is the one you anointed, and just like you said, they came against him. They did, though. What is our prayer? Your, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to get on God's page and not get God on my page. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to understand what has God said, what does God want, and what has God already promised to do? Because I want to start praying into that. And I want to put my life into that. Because that is going to happen. And I want to be a part of it with my prayer and with my life. Keep that in mind Verse 28, they who, Herod, Pilate, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel, they did what your power and what will had decided beforehand should happen. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Thank you, Pilate. Thank you, Herod. Thank you, mob. Thank you, Gentiles. Thank you, all the people of Israel. You just did what God determined in heaven would be done on the earth. So they're confident now. They're confident. We just saw it. Doesn't matter what it looks like from earth's point of view, you're doing exactly what you planned to do. Does that mean that Pilate had no choice to free Jesus? No, he had a choice. He's made the wrong choice, but God knew what choice he was going to make and wrote his wrong choice into his story. Does it mean that Herod didn't have a, a, a choice? No, he had a choice. Did the mob have a choice? The mob had a choice. Everybody had a choice in it, but God was over it all because as the prayer started, he is the sovereign Lord. And so then they come down and say, okay, here comes the ask. We've just sort of worshiped you. We've spoken your word back to you. We've understood that you're sovereign and in control. So here's our ask. Here, we're going to go for it. You ready? Consider their threats. We've said it so many times already. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. In other words, we want to be in the plan, but we're going to need your power. What's the plan? Oh, the plan was right here. Jesus' words, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They said, we already know what the plan is. We already know what your will is. So we're aligning ourselves with your will. So we're not praying for an opt-out. We're not praying for a bailout. We're not praying that you'll squash the religious leaders and all their threats, we're praying that you will enable us to align with your 
will. Do you see how they're putting themselves under the authority of the mandate of God to spread the gospel to the world, knowing that it might cost them everything, but at the end of the day, it will gain them more? And when they moved into that position, God moved. God moved. They asked him, enable us to speak the word with boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. That was the ask. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were, just as they had asked, all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. A bold prayer got a bold answer. Aligning with God gave them authority in the name of God. And they moved out from this place with authority on their lives. Even in the face of death, in the face of persecution, in the face of hardship, they had authority everywhere they went. They walked in the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. Why? Because they had submitted themselves to the purpose and the plan and the will of God. And he said, I will fill you with power as you move out for me. It's moving in step with God, calling on heaven for the deliverance of all people. When we started um, Passion 25 something years ago, uh, I'd heard a woman speaking in England. She was a part of a church. She was a pastor of a church in the north of England. And their church was in a college town. And she talked about how there'd been an epidemic of students taking their lives in this particular town. And that's more common now, 25 years later, but it wasn't as common in that season. And she talked about how there was a particular building on campus that many, many, many students would go to and take their lives from the top of that building. And being a pastor in that town, obviously she was concerned, but she said, at some point, our team just took a step to say, God, we wanna take authority over our town and over this campus. In this particular time, uh, entry into dorms and access was a lot easier, especially for people that were campus ministers and student ministers on that campus. She said, we started going to the dorms on the campus and we'd go long after midnight, after all the studying had wound down, the kids had finally gone to sleep. We'd go two in the morning, three in the morning, four in the morning. And we'd go floor by floor, door by door. And every door had names on it of the students who lived in that room. And we'd pray over every name and we'd pray over every door. We put our hand on every door in Jesus' name and we would proclaim the will of God over that room. And then we'd go to the next room and we would pray over the names in that room and we'd pray the will of God over that room. And we would go floor by floor by floor, door by door by door. They hadn't asked anybody's permission to pray for them because you know what? You don't have to ask people for permission to pray for them. You already have permission from God to pray for them and access to the throne of grace. 
And so they began to pray. And when she was telling this story, some time had passed, a year or so had passed. And she said, after a few weeks, or maybe it was a month of us praying door by door by door, floor by floor by floor, night by night by night, she said, we realized that a year or so had passed and not one person had taken their life from the roof of that building. Because they stepped in and aligned with God and called on heaven for the deliverance of people. They weren't praying for themselves. They weren't looking for any benefit for themselves. They weren't asking God to do anything about their circumstance. They were calling on heaven to do something about other people. Why? Because they knew that Jesus had come to give sight to the blind. That's what God said he was gonna do. He had come to lift up those who'd been run over by life. That's what he said he came to do. He had come to set the prisoner free and give release to the captive. This is what he said he had come to do. So they just went door by door and agreed with Jesus. Set the captive free. Bring sight to the blind. Lift up those who've been run over by life. We declare like you said you came to do, the favorable year of our God. And we're not doing it with loud words because that doesn't make prayers bold. We're not doing it with super long prayers. This one in Acts barely lasts two minutes. We're doing it because we are here as servants of God, aligned with God, in the name of God, for the glory of God. We are going to stand in the gap and walk in the authority we have by being aligned with Yahweh in this moment in time. I thought about it this morning, this pulling out of our neighborhood again. You pulling out of your neighborhood, we're all hustling to get to church, right? We're all hustling to get to 515 or to get into the gathering. But man, what a different mindset if we are coming down the street in our neighborhood and we go, God, the Thompsons, they don't know you. I know they don't know you. And they've never gone out of those doors on a Sunday. They've never gone into worship. They don't even know there's a song to sing. They don't know the freedom that comes. I pray over their family today. I call them all by name. I speak Jesus over their house today and pray for a spirit of revelation sight in their lives today for your glory, God. And the cooks, Lord, I pray for them today. You're like, oh, not the cooks. No. Mm -mm. God, I pray for the cooks in Jesus' name. I pray, God, that you would do what you said you came to do. Give sight to the blind in Jesus' name. I pray, pray for the Robinsons today and the Taylors in Jesus' name. God, I pray for my cul-de-sac. I pray for my street in Jesus' name. God, I speak the name of Jesus over our neighborhood. I speak the name of Jesus over my floor in the office, God. I speak the name of Jesus over every cubicle on my floor. I speak the name of Jesus over every person on the assembly line where I work. I speak the name of Jesus over every office in this building. I speak the name of Jesus over every desk and every classroom that I teach. I speak the name of Jesus over my school, God. I come aligned with you, God, submitted to you, God, surrender to your will, so surrender to your purpose. And I'm going to constantly be thinking of ways that I can speak out the name of Jesus on every life that I come in contact with. God, I pray for this wonderful lady checking me out at the Publix in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you touch her heart, give her revelation sight. I don't know if anybody prayed for her today, but I am. 
God, you sent me on assignment to a country where the gospel really can't be preached as a business leader. And here I am sitting in a business meeting with people who don't even know Jesus. I'm going to go around the room one by one. And in my heart, I'm going to call on heaven for every single one of them by name. I'm going back to my condominium, to my hotel tonight. I'm going to get down on my knees and I'm going to proclaim and call out the blood of Jesus over every one of their lives today. Because maybe I'm the only person who's ever prayed for them in their life. And I want to pray a bold prayer. God, be glorified in them. God, save them by the blood of Jesus so that Jesus can get glory in them. And then I'm going to leave the results to God. You're like, well, it says if we pray according to his will, we have what we ask for. And I believe that is true. I believe that every time we pray and say, God, I just want your will to be done, that we are going to get what we ask for. It might not look exactly like we think we don't know, but I'm telling you, when you call on heaven, things happen. You say, but Louis, in our case, it didn't happen. We prayed for our loved one and it didn't work out like it did in the story that you told. And you know, honestly, I don't know how to explain that. I know that a lot of the things that our family has prayed for in life have miraculously happened. And a lot of them didn't happen the way that, that, that we hoped that they would. But God has been gracious in it all to show us that just like that moment where Herod and Pilate and the Gentiles and all the people of Israel killed his son, somehow, some way God was still on his throne and that's enough for me to keep coming with confidence knowing that if I ask in his name according to his will he's going to move and when all of this comes clear I'm going to see what God has done. I can't resolve the tension today, but I can point us to the cross today. And I can invite you, no matter what the story has been, to rekindle your confidence today and continue to come to God and pray bold prayers to heaven, knowing that he hears and he's moving, that he's good and that he's powerful, that he can and that he does, that he will, even if we don't see it, he will answer us. I wonder who or what is waiting today for us to step forward in faith 
and pray a bold prayer to heaven in Jesus' name. We tried everything else. Why not call on heaven? And it begins right now with us moving. Us moving out of, I need you to do it for me, the way I need you to do it for me, and us moving into, I want to be available to you to do whatever you want to do in this life. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church Podcast.